0: Well, this morning, we will be spending our time in Psalm 88, the whole chapter, uh, only 18 verses. We will be using, like Eric said earlier, the English Standard Version or the ESV. So if you're on a device, just switch over to that version, or you can even Google Psalm 88 ESV, and it should pop right up. Now, while you're searching for that, I want us to listen to this quote from a Desiring God article about the Psalms. The author, he says this, he says, the Psalms are not a simple chorus repeated over and over again, but a symphony filled with as many expressions and emotions as humans endure and feel. The five books that make up the Psalms really are a masterclass in human adversity. So if the Psalms are like a symphony, right, with, with its peaks and valleys, with its rises and falls, then Psalm 88 is a minor note. Let's read Psalm 88 together, starting with verse 1. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those as who go down into the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Verse 5. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all of your waves. Selah. Verse 8. Verse 8. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah, verse 11. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in the Baden, or your wonders known of the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Put I, O oh Lord, cry to you, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to my, and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Verse 16, your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This is God's word. Pray with me that we may gain understanding of our text this morning. God, every single word we just read is your word. Help us to understand them. Help us to bow to your words, even when we cannot understand. Help us to know that it is us who's limited in understanding and and not you. Be with us this morning as our helper to not just gain knowledge, but to receive transformation from what you have spoken. Oh Lord, may I be helpful to my friends this morning as I preach, so get me out of the way, and may your words stand. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we all know those stories where the character does something that he or she ought to do, but doesn't, right? Whether our character is stuck in a love triangle, right? Uh, Has to choose between two different people to, to be with. We all know this, right? They have two choices, Team Steve or Team Jonathan, Team Steve, obviously. Or when, our, when our, our, our character is terrified and runs towards the eerie noise in the other room instead of away from the noise, right? You're usually shouting at the screen, don't go in there. They have a machete or whatever, you know. It's a scary doll. Fill in the blank. Or in another story, you're rolling your eyes. You're just, just throw the ring down Mount Doom already. We're sick of this, all right? <laughs> We rhetorically and condescendingly ask, what are they doing? Don't they clearly see that what they're doing is not helping? It's almost like our character is in a trance, and in that trance they are unable to do what they need to do for their own good. They're unable to do the very thing that will actually help them tremendously. And similarly, when we're in a trance of, say, depression, when we're sucked into the miseries of life, when the, darkest, the darkness feels like our closest ally, the last thing we want to do is pray. Something that is so clearly good for our souls, something that benefits us greatly, something that if we maybe saw another fellow believer not do, we might think in our minds, what are they doing? Pray. But when it comes to us and our depression, we just can't pray right? at least it feels like we can't we're, we're in a trance and being stuck in the mire feels somehow better i know i've been there before i know you have it's it's confusing maybe maybe one reason why we don't pray when we should when we're depressed is because we believe it's got to sound chipper it's got to be happy sounding and, and if it doesn't sound like let's say psalm 13 right where it starts off really bleak but then ends on a high note then we just shouldn't pray at all right Right? Psalm 13, it starts, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Right? Bleak. But then ends in verse 6 with, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He went from feeling forsaken by God to then singing to God. And amen to those passages. Those passages are incredible testimonies of God's faithfulness in his people's lives. I love Psalm 13 and the like. They're reminders of gratefulness no matter how bad things actually get. But sometimes, sometimes the cloud over you is so heavy, so saturated in rain that you emotionally, physically, and spiritually cannot end your prayers on a high note. And this is why I have always loved Psalm 88, because although there are no direct answers to our distress in this psalm, the lesson we can take from it is hidden in plain sight. Pray the pain. Psalm 88 teaches us that we can and should pray the pain. God does not expect your prayers to be seasoned with colorful language, not if all that is in you is real torment. I think most of us, when we read a Psalm like this one, we we have a tendency to skip over it. I think we're tempted to only want positivity and encouragement from the Bible all the time. And we think this way until our father dies. We go to a funeral. We lose a child. Our relationships crumble before our very eyes. We lose a job. We or a close friend or relative is afflicted with a serious illness. There's sin in our lives that we cannot shake and we're ashamed. And all of a sudden, we're, we're just desperate of making sense out of this life. Right? Has anybody ever felt this bad before? And that's when Psalm 88 just can't be ignored. Right? We see the value of it, and it becomes sustenance. We need it. Derek Kidner, as he reflects on these types of psalms, he says this. He says, the very presence of these psalms is a witness of God's understanding. Listen to this. God knows how man speaks when they are desperate. God knows how man speaks when they are desperate. Uh, And we need this. As Christians, we need to learn how to be miserable well, how to suffer well, how to be in an unhappy place well. Because the Christian walk, informed by Scripture, it just isn't always cheerful praise. I wish it was, but often it is instead filled with lament. From Psalm 88, we have three observations, three types of pain that the psalmist prays through that can help us when we need to pray the pain. Observation number one, pray the pain when I'm overwhelmed. Pray the pain when I'm overwhelmed. Let's look together at just verses one and two. Read along with me. Verse one, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you, Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Oh, take note. As miserable as this psalmist is, he first recognizes that the only one who can save him, the only one who can get him out of whatever torture he may be experiencing in that moment is God. And maybe this is what some of you need to hear. It's certainly what I need to hear all the time. Because no matter what we're facing, no matter the loss, the confusion, we cry out to a God, who saves and is eagerly expecting to hear from his people day or night. Now, I've seen firsthand how this church shows up in love for those who are hurting, and it's been awesome, but nobody here can be there for you like God Almighty, right? Because our bodies, they limit us to be there for each other 24-7, but God never, ever sleeps. He's always quick to listen to our cries even if it doesn't feel like it, if it feels like he's not listening, the truth is God is always faithful and good. And this is good news. He's faithful because of who he is, not because of who we are or how we even performed that day. No so-called merits we think we possess or earn makes him listen to you more or less. For those of us who have placed our faith in him, he is abundant in mercy, in grace, and love for you forever. So like how this psalm starts, cry out to a God. Cry out to God knowing that he is the God of your salvation. And as we continue reading, keep that in mind. Having that foundation, I believe, allows you to be honest when you pray the pain. God wants all of your ugliness, all of your doubts, all of your angst. He wants your sorrows verse 3 he continues after acknowledging that god is the savior he just goes right into it verse 3 for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to sheol which is the grave verse 4 i am counted among those who go down into the pit i am a man who has no strength the psalmist is essentially saying i'm as good as dead i'm as good as dead whatever he's facing there's no escaping it it has overwhelmed him so much to the point where he has no other outcome but death this is it for him now the psalm doesn't tell us exactly what he's enduring which i actually like. it makes it easier for us to see our pain in this text one theologian he puts it this way he says the metaphorical backdrop of psalm 88 is wider than any sickness and can encompass any severe distress or life-threatening situation because although most of us aren't experiencing anything physically terminal, although I know some are, there are many things that can make us feel the dread of death. For example, I remember when a close relative, close relative of mine went through a divorce. It was not good, not for him, not for anybody. He was absolutely heartbroken. And then later on, When some time had passed, I asked him, and I followed up, and I asked how he was doing. He said that he felt like he was at a funeral, like like someone had died, or like he had died. There are certain events in our lives where we wish all you experienced was death. It could range from divorce to sexual abuse. Whether something happened to you or to someone you love, like your child or a close friend or a relative... You may feel like, verse 5, like one set loose among the dead, like you're cut off and forgotten from God as if God doesn't care. And of course, that's not actually true. God cares and never forgets his people. But this psalm is silent on those promises. They cannot be found anywhere in these 18 verses we can read those promises elsewhere in the Bible, but here what we read loudly and clearly is the experience of an overwhelmed believer. We get his raw honesty. We, get, we even get the psalmist accusing God for all of his troubles, holding God responsible. Verse 6 and 7, he says that God put him in the depths of the pit, in deep and dark places, that God's judgment lies heavy on him. He's overwhelmed with wave after wave of distress, and it's god's fault right that's what he says now is he right for doing this for for blaming god and accusing him of having malicious intent technically probably not look god is sovereign over everything including our suffering but he isn't out to get us for some malicious reason yet this is how the psalmist feels and maybe you've felt this way before i i know i have So is he wrong for crying out to God about what he's experiencing? For being honest about the battle that's going on inside? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And this is peppered throughout the psalm. Keep this in mind as we continue to read. May it free you to pray honestly about what's troubling your heart. Your prayers, they don't need to sound cheerful or fake when, say, dreadful assaults destroy you. Like how it says in verse 16, you're free to be authentic and real. It's actually better to let God know how you feel, no matter how wrong or right you may be. Why? Because you're just, you're safe with him. You're safe with God. Again, God knows how we speak when we're desperate and overwhelmed. In our lives, they shouldn't be all lament. There, there should be praise of God's glorious promises to us, but there is a time and a place to just let it all out to God, and it's completely appropriate. In his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, highly recommended. I know most of us have read it. If you haven't, pick it up. It's great. In his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Rogop, he says this. He says, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. Again, Psalm 88 is silent on God's promises, and it never reaches that end. It's quite unique in that way. And maybe this is where you're at. You haven't reached God's promises yet. I mean, you know them, you're aware of them. You may even be able to recite them. But when you're overwhelmed, those promises feel far from you. They might even offend you. Well, Psalm 88 meets you in the mud. It's here to sit with you while, while those overwhelming waves of life crash on you. Mark broke up again. He says, to cry is human, right? Everyone does it. It's the first thing we all did when we were born. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. So where this psalm is silent on God's promises, it screams in lament. So give expression to your overwhelming pain and sorrow through prayer. Observation number two, pray the pain when I'm lonely. Pray the pain when I'm lonely. Look, when suffering, friends and family can bring a big, sense of comfort and even peace they can pray with you cry with you help you in many many ways a good brother or sister in the lord is a means of god's grace and the bible has much to say about this it recognizes the value and goodness of friendship but when that camaraderie right that that incredible phenomena you experience when a friend sticks closer than a brother when that for some reason gets robbed from you when the sweetness of friendship has gone sour. Psalm 88 reminds us again that we can sob in prayer to God about our loneliness. Our psalmist does it. Look with me in verse 8. He says, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. And again, tell us why his companions have shunned him maybe his friends were justified to do so maybe our psalmist sinned in such a way that his companions were ashamed of him and just could not stand to be around him even though he's clearly remorseful maybe this is you maybe they're not justified at all maybe he's just misunderstood misrepresented the lies that have that have been said about him could not have been further from the truth maybe this is you Or you could even be surrounded by friends and family, but the sense of isolation just looms over you. You feel secluded. You feel like another face in the crowd, especially when you're already experiencing depression and sorrow on top of all that. Look, the text is unclear as to why his companions, those he would call his friends, close friends, abandoned him. But like I've said before, I like this. Whatever the cause of your loneliness, see your pain in this. Do what Psalm 88 is doing and pray the pain of loneliness, abandonment, being forsaken. Now, although we may not know the cause of his loneliness, what we do know is that God, for some reason, is sovereign over this. We know this because he does not blame anyone else, not even himself, but he only blames God for his misfortune in this psalm. He is aware that God has complete rule and reign over all things. That includes his loneliness. But again, not for the sake of just being flippant, careless, or malicious. And listen, God's reasons are often kept, kept a secret. It's just a mystery we'll just have to learn how to live with until we see him face to face, when all things will be made new and every tear will be wiped away. However, this isn't, again, the focus of the psalm. He isn't theologizing about the sovereignty of God here. The man is simply pouring out his soul to God. He is taking what he knows about God and lamenting his sorrows to the only one who can save him. In verse 9, he says, my eye grows dim through sorrow. He can't even see straight through his tears. He continues, every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. And skip down a little more, verse thirteen. He says, "But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning; my prayer comes before you." Psalm eighty-eight spills out this crushed soul for us, so that we know we're free ourselves to wrestle in prayer. And you see that in the last verse, you have caused my my beloved and my friend to shun me; my companions have all become darkness. He's crying out to God about his loneliness. He's not sitting silently. He's doing what we ought to do when we encounter rejection from those who once loved us or once we loved. Now, the truth is, if we're Christians, our companions are actually never darkness. God is light and we are forever in him for those who have placed our faith upon Christ. But when struggling with loneliness, this is what it feels like. Again, God knows how we speak when we're desperate and lonely. When all relationships around us fail, when your marriage shatters, when you feel like you have to utter the words to someone, I thought we were friends. When those closest to you, for one reason or another, just stop communicating with you. When good friends move away. Or when you lose someone you love dearly, they pass away. It feels like in that moment, the closest companion you have is not the relationship that once brought warmth, but is now cold darkness. And the truth is, or the promise, is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. But right now, even his presence feels a million miles away. So pray to that end. Tell God, I miss companionship. Tell him, I can't feel you. Tell him, I'm lonely observation number three, pray the pain when I'm scared. Pray the pain when I'm scared. Now, much of the psalm can sound confusing to us because he rhetorically asks a lot of questions, things like, is your steadfast love declared in the grave? So I'm going to read a quote that I believe will help us gain some understanding. It's by Tremper Longman III. Um, He has a third in his name, so you know he's really smart. (laughs) He says, during much of the Old Testament, God's people did not have an idea of the afterlife, and the psalmist believes that death is the end of it all. God will forget him as the dead are beyond his care, right? This is what the Jews in the Old Testament largely believed. We'll just say that their theology of the afterlife just hasn't been fully formed yet. Why? Well, because they're still missing much of scripture even when this psalm was written, right? It just hasn't been written yet. (laughs) That adds a little more of dread and fear when you're reading the psalm i mean like what i mean is you feel bad for the psalmist i feel i felt even worse for him upon knowing this and we now have the benefit of knowing much about what happens in the afterlife because the canon of scripture is close for us thank god for his redemptive history and revelation and trust me if you feel bad for the psalmist don't worry he knows now he knows now more than anyone here the goodness of god but but that doesn't take away the sting for him or for us when we're fearful because although we may have a clear understanding that that those who depart from this world go to be with the lord for those of us who are christian our psalmist he speaks in a way as it appears to people we don't we don't see what spiritually happens when christians fall asleep and wake up rejoicing in the presence of god How glorious that would be, right? To see those we love, a fellow believer, wake up dancing in God's presence. But instead, what we see is a body before us, breathing its last, and it just looks like nothing happens. And the only thing that becomes tangible for us, what we feel is this, that there's just nothing else. And Psalm 88 captures this really well as he prays. Read with me in verse 10. He says, do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise you? Of course, we know this for those who believe in Christ, but it's not what it looks like for us on this side of eternity. He continues, verse 11, is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon, the place of destruction? Verse 12, are your wonders known of the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? This is language, terrible, beautiful language of fear and sorrow. I'm not saying it's 100% technically accurate, but I am saying it's 100% right to pray your fears in this way. The author of the psalm is sensing the grave, and apparently he's been afflicted with something since his youth up. Like how we see in verse 15, he says, Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Maybe you've been experiencing something from your youth, or at least for a very long time. God wants to hear it. No matter how repetitive you think it may sound, right? Despite the gloom, despite the fear, despite the terror, despite the repetitive nature of your prayers, refuse to be silent. Our psalmist says, but I, O Lord, cry to you. He's refusing to be silent does god turn his face from his people absolutely not but what does he pray why do you cast my soul away why do you hide your face from me there's a there's a juxtaposition in this song between what's true and how we feel we know the the promises right the truth though i walk through the valley of shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me and you may even say amen that's true but right now i am afraid The good news is that God wants to hear all about it. So when you're scared, when the walls are caving in, when they close in on you all day long like a flood, you don't need to pretend you're in a good place so that God will hear you. He already hears you day and night. He desires your dark lament just as much as he desires your uplifting praise because he's the only one who can save you from your fears. So what are you fearful of? What's confusing you in this season? What's filling your life with worry and dread? What is raising more questions than answers? Pray your fears to God. Pray your fears to God. A quick word to those who are inclined to be optimistic, always seeing the brighter side, Okay, I'm definitely one of those people, so trust me, I'm preaching to the choir. So if I sound harsh here, it's because I'm really thinking of myself, because I'm selfish. (laughs) When a good friend, relative, spouse, child, whoever, is experiencing having a dark season, don't be so quick to cheer them up. It probably won't work and you might make it worse. It's good to remind people of God's promises. I'm not saying we never do that anymore. Lament should always lead to praise. But when someone you care about is having a hard time about whatever, just sit with them. Maybe you need to shut up. Again, this is for me. Maybe I need to shut up. Feel their sorrow. Weep with them. It's most likely they won't be in that place forever anyway. So be patient. God will carry them through. That's his job, not yours, not mine. And of course, each situation requires wisdom, so I pray he leads you in that. But Psalm 88 shows us that you can use dark language to describe your current state and still be a faithful, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christian. This is a relatively small church. We know what most of us are going through and how it affects us. I look around the room and I see all the seasons that everyone is in. I'm sure you're aware too. Some of it is good, great. Praise God for that. Some of it is perplexing. Some of it isn't clear. And I find myself not knowing what to say to a lot of you. I know you feel the same. But you know what we can do? We can make our petition made known to God. We can pray our pain while in our pain. To the god who can do something about it we can pray when we're overwhelmed we can pray when we're lonely we can pray when we're scared even when we can't see our own hand in front of our faces as we're surrounded by darkness and we're convinced that god has turned his back on us keep praying why because there is one who has gone even further into the darkness than we have Wherever our story is taking us, it's a place that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has already been. This is the kind of prayer that Jesus Christ could have prayed as the darkness swallowed him up on the cross. Because while Jesus was on the cross and cried to his Father, he heard nothing in return. God the Father turned his back on him. The reality of the wrath of God covered his life as he became counted as one who went down into the pit for our sake. He would feel his soul being cast away. His closest friends and disciples all shunned him. His only companion in the end was darkness. And yet, even to the very end, the very, very, very end, Jesus prayed to his father and he yielded his spirit to the one who he felt abandoned him on the cross. What Jesus and this psalm teach us is no matter how dark things get, our God has already walked into the the darkness before us. And in our darkness, we are not alone because Jesus went there first for us. And in those moments where we feel that God has turned his back towards us, that's when we notice our feet are actually sinking into the footsteps of our Savior as we follow behind him. So even when we can't see him or feel him, we pray. He is listening. And he knows what the darkness is like. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a God who hears our prayers. You hear us when we're overwhelmed, when we're lonely, when we're afraid. You hear our sorrows. Thank you for never rolling your eyes to us for never becoming annoyed when we approach your throne of grace with the same things over and over again. Instead, you are eager to listen. You incline your ear to us. You're patient, you're kind, you're gentle. And as our great high priest, you are able to sympathize with us because you went into the darkness further than anyone has ever gone. So you know us. You know our experience. Help us to pray when we don't feel like praying. In Jesus' name, amen.